everyone, and welcome to Be The Leader You Deserve podcast, where my mission is to inspire you to ask yourself, are you the leader you deserve? Hi, I'm Jill Handley. So excited to be here with you today. This is season seven, episode 28, new leader, true leader, lessons learned from a first year principal. All right, so today I am joined by Ryan Smith, the principal of Deke Elementary, located in Swartz Creek, Michigan, who prides himself on being a restorative-minded and trauma-informed leader. Now, Ryan has earned six different certifications from Harvard. Yes, you heard me right, six different certifications from Harvard. He is also a passionate advocate and ally for students, community, and social justice. So welcome, Ryan. I'm so happy to have you on the show today. Hi, Jill. Very happy to be here. Thank you for having me on. All right. So now, Ryan, as we get started, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and the school that you lead? Sure. Well, again, thank you for the invite. I I love the podcast and I'm looking forward to our conversation. I am a first year principal at Deke Elementary in Swartz Creek in my 16th year of education. So I was a teacher for 15 years and my experiences are kind of across the board. I spent some time in rural areas, urban areas. I spent the first six years of my career teaching in Detroit. And then I went to a place called Novi, which is probably one of the most diverse communities in and around Metro Detroit. And now I was hired into a place called Swartz Creek. So again, shifting uh, to a new area, a new district, new people. And I've really enjoyed my time there. The people are fantastic. The kids are outstanding. And that's what it's all about. Trying to connect with the people, build relationships, And in year one, that's really what we're focusing on. So Ryan, if I did that math correctly, is that true that you came out of the classroom as a teacher into the principalship? Yes, that is Wow, that is a huge jump. Uh, Talk talk to us about a little bit more about that, because typically, um, you know, the the traditional trajectory is there's some type of in-between, be it um, like a district position or an assistant principal or an instructional coach. Talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, that's a that's a big jump. Um, so tell us a little more about that. So that's a great question, great point. And uh, Novi, they do have something that afforded me opportunities for leadership, and it's called a content area leader. So uh-huh. I was the Cal, actually, for uh, all specials in grades K through 6 across the district. Oh and <laughs> what really helped prepare me for a leadership role was I I held this position when the pandemic first hit. And when, you know, it came down from above that school was being shut down, uh, March, 2020, what were we going to do? How were, how were we going to reach our kids? And then coming into that next year, we had different platforms. We had virtual, we had hybrid, we had in-person, we were shifting. Teachers ourselves were shifting from being in person to going hybrid or uh, virtual. So really leading that work. And learning that a lot of a lot of leadership is based on relationships. And, you know, you learn about it in school. You learn about it really in edu- any educational setting. But when you live it, you realize that empowering the people that you work with is really where the true magic happens. You can be placed in a position of leadership, but that's all it is. You're in a position. And what you do with it really dictates the outcome, obviously, but how we interact with people, how we provide opportunities for other, we empower the people that we work with because we don't know everything. Uh, to me, a true leader is somebody who we have strengths, we have uh, skills and abilities, but we recognize that we also need to surround ourselves with people 
that are one like-minded, but also not afraid to disagree with us and have the tough conversation. And we need to look for people that we can learn from as well. So all of that work kind of led me with all my, like you said, my educational background of getting certifications at Harvard. I have my master's degree my at specialist. So I've prepared myself as much as possible, but it has been quite a big jump and a big step. I really enjoyed it. And as is with anything that is brand new, there will be some little hiccups along the way, but there are learning opportunities and I'm loving every minute of it. I have to tell you, Ryan, I think about myself when I was a new principal and wow, I wish that I was as <clears throat> forward thinking and as prepared as you sound already, because so much of what you just said took me years to understand and know. So however it came about that you got there, um, the relationship piece, I think is foundational. That's the one piece that I know for sure. I remember when I was, um, you know, preparing to be a principal, all I could say was, here's what I know is I do people well. Um, you know, relationships and, and I, I feel pretty strong with instruction. And so, but I grounded myself in, you know, doing people well. And to your point, I think that being, I also hear a, a bit of humility in your, in your voice as well of that we don't know everything. And I think that that's been a, that's a common mistake that new leaders often make. Several of the guests this season have talked about that that's one of their biggest learnings has been, you don't have to know everything. And sometimes a mistake that new leaders make is they want to appear as though, yes, I, I can never say I don't know or come across as not knowing everything. When in fact, that kind of uh, is the opposite of the approach that you take. So your school is very lucky to have you. Um, and so I'm so excited to get into this a little bit more. So now tell me, am I correct, Ryan, that you've also been a coach? Is that right? Yes, I <laughs> uh, was an athletics, athletics coach for 16 years. And I'm sure that you, you see a lot of um, you're probably taking a lot of what you've learned in being a coach. Um you know, with students and applying that to the role. So talk to us a little bit about some of the, the parallels that you see from coaching students and how you've started using that already in your role as principal uh, to empower your staff. Well, that's a great question. Um, so I, I was an athletics coach for 16 years. I did 13 years of varsity baseball. Uh, I did eight years of varsity football. And I actually did one year of eighth grade girls volleyball, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I, I, my, as I said earlier, a lot of my experiences come from across the board. And, you know, in doing so, I also like to put myself in situations where I work with and under a variety of different types of leaders. And I've coached with people of all different styles, all different backgrounds and mindsets. And, you know, you learn from each and every one of them. And in having such a wide variety of experience and working with kids, especially coming from a coaching background, you know, athletics is such a, a marvelous arena where you get to, not that it doesn't happen in a classroom, but on a, a, an athletic field, a lot more times it's much more emotionally involved, emotionally mm -hmm. invested. And you see the heartbreak sometimes because we never won any state championships. So we were successful a lot of years, but, you know, it's understanding that this classroom experience, this athletic experience, this, school experience for these kids looking back myself 20 years in my senior year which yes that makes me feel old um <laughs> like the experiences i had i still hold dear to my heart and just thinking of wow now I, when i'm in that leadership role how can i help them have the best experience possible so 
that comes from the coaching aspect. And now as a school leader, you know, my school is a grades three through five elementary school that I'm a principal of, you know, it's different. You, you shift. I've worked in a K-4 school, middle school, a 5-6 school, and I've coached high school. So you shift your focus and how you connect with them, but it's still the same. How can I provide these kids the best possible opportunity to have a great, fantastic learning experience? Uh, on the sign outside of my school, I, I had my people put up Deke Elementary, where all students can learn and grow. And I absolutely believe that. We need to meet the students where they are. When they walk in our school, they need to feel welcome, seen, and safe. And each and every kid needs to feel like we are there for them to meet their needs. And that's the equity aspect. It's not equal, it's equitable. And yes. just having that yeah. mindset, yep. Having that mindset. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was just going to say, I'm just over here shaking my head like, yes, 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 to everything you're saying. So keep going. Well, thank you. Uh, you know, I've done a lot of diversity, equity, and inclusion work in my career, and that's another thing that I think really prepared me for a leadership role in understanding and how to connect with people and building those relationships. And I've been talking about the kids, and it is. Bottom line is it's always about what's best for the kids. But this also goes for when you're working with staff and leading mm -hmm. staff. And, you know, I've had some great mentors in my day, and I've learned a lot from a lot of different people. And I, to prepare for this, I was kind of, you know, going back and going through some notes and conversations. I actually listened to some podcasts that my, my mentors have done in the past. And there's a guy, Dr. RJ Weber, who's now the superintendent in Northville uh, Public Schools in, in Michigan. He was my assistant superintendent of academics for when I was in Novi. Mm -hmm. And he just talked about, you know, empowering people as long as our heart is there. You build your network, you connect, you keep going. And really like like we've kind of talked about already you take everything else away like the education the experience it's about the people it's about connecting like you said sometimes it's hard for new leaders to understand that the need to be humble and transparent but people see that and they connect with it and then when it's truly genuine that's where you can really connect with people and build the trust and the trust is the foundation of the relationships of the growth to come and to me absolutely my, yes year one, that's been my biggest focus. I think that's a really wise decision. You know, it's funny because last year, last summer or this past summer at the NAESP conference, I know Simon Sinek was one of the keynotes and he, he made the comment that so oftentimes he says, you know, I'm going to say something that may come across as controversial, but when we think about our role as leaders, the students, while they are our end goal, <laughs> they are not who we need to concern ourselves the most. And he says, I know that sounds controversial. However, it's much like um, the owner or, you know, the, the head of the hospital, the patients are their end goal, but who they need to empower is their staff so that they can be the best they can be for the students. And so when I know when he said that, I was like, oh, that makes so much sense that we, that we make decisions through the lens of what's best for kids. But our focus as a leader has to really be on that. How are we, what, what steps are we taking to empower our people? And when you said, you know, being a coach, you want to make those, those memories for your students that they will always remember. I think that's probably a key facet too, as we, you know, because one of our roles as leaders is to coach our people. And, you know, if we all took that approach of how can I make this meaningful for my, my staff? beyond just showing up every day. So I really, you know, I'm, I'm taking notes and thinking like, mm, I love that approach of how can I be the coach you need, teacher, or, you know, uh, custodial staff or 
secretary? How could I be the leader that you need uh, so that you have these meaningful experiences that you'll never forget? So that it feels like more than a job. So that's, that's a really powerful thought there, Brian. Thank you for that. Absolutely. And I, I love that you brought up Simon Sinek. He is one of my favorite people to learn from as well. And what you just said to me, I think is one of the biggest challenges too, as a new leader is yes, you're absolutely right. And that's what we're talking about is the relationships. How can I be there for you to help you grow to my, my people, my staff, my colleagues. Uh, that's also a challenge. Uh-huh. You know, a lot of times <laughs> I, I just walked into a brand new school district, a uh, brand new community, brand new school and coming from the outside and it's, it, going from where I was to where I am, it's, they're not very close geographically and they are different types of communities and learning how to connect with people, the work that's been done there, they've done a lot of fantastic work. And to me, being a, somewhat of an outsider, I'm uh, really learning about what's been done while also trying to observe and learn about what is currently happening while mm-hmm. we work together to plan our future. And that's a delicate balance uh, without stepping on toes of the past, without um, maybe coming in with all these great brand new ideas with my hair on fire, but people are like a little hesitant because they mm-hmm. haven't built that trust yet, you know? Um, and that's the biggest thing, you know, one of the questions you asked me to prepare for this was what was one of our biggest challenges maybe mm-hmm. to me as a new leader. And really it's, you feel like sometimes you're drinking from a fire hose, right? <laughs> you have all this information, all these new systems, all, everything's new. And to me, you know, you mentioned earlier about being restorative minded and trauma informed. Those are goals of my district, but they're also goals of me as a human being and as a school leader. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think aligned myself so well with my new district and why, you know, obviously they hired me, I think is that I do bring those skills to the table. And as long as we have that view of what's ultimately, like you said, like the CEO of a hospital, what's best for the kids mm-hmm. with our our key focus core elements like restorative, trauma-informed, uh, I believe in tier one universal accommodations, trying to make sure we provide everything to all students, the equity aspect. Mm-hmm. As long as we stick to our key core values, there's go- going to be bumps along the road. And I I don't like to necessarily say mistakes. We have learning opportunities and there'll be, uh, there'll definitely be learning opportunities, but that's exactly what they're. I could tell you a handful of things that have already happened where I'm like, <laughs> Well, next time I know what to do better. Uh, So, and I take it in stride. It is what it is. We're all human beings. We're all on a growth path. And uh, when you build that trust in those relationships, that's when the, you can really understand each other. We're all on this journey together. It's so crazy, Ryan, because had you not have announced that you, you're newly appointed as a principal, I don't think anyone listening would believe that. <laughs> and the reason oh, I say you. that is that um, many of my guests have had, you know, a variety of, of years of experience as a, as a school principal. And so, you know, one of the questions I've been asking people to reflect upon is thinking back to their earlier years, like what's what are some things that you wish you would have learned in, in principal prep or what's something you fail forward with and so much of what my guests have talked about are things that I feel like you're already figuring out what six months in. Oh my goodness. Like I, I just go back to thinking like how lucky your staff and your community is to have such a forward thinking um, and really kind of um, humble leader. And, and because I do know that something you mentioned was a topic that's come up over and over is when you are a new leader, whether it's a, it's your first time being a principal or B you're taking over a different school. 
um, that balance of, okay, you hired me for a reason and I've got some ideas and I know where I want to take the school and balancing that with honoring tradition, not tradition in the sense of let's just do it because that's the way we've always done it, but taking, you know, finding that balance of the pause to observe and understand. So, so talk to us a little bit more about that. Cause that is, that is a tricky balance to figure out. So, you know, talk to us, you're six months in, I'm a brand new principal or I'm taking over a new building. No, let's talk to brand new principals right now. Um, or, you know, brand new APs, you're, you're taking over a, a brand new role as an administrator. Where do you start? Awesome. And that's, what you just set up is basically our we came together for uh you know before school pd and i spent an entire afternoon of working with my staff and i used i'm big on uh, cultures of thinking from project zero uh ron mm -hmm. richard from harvard uh, i was lucky enough to actually be trained by him at in oakland oh, wow. schools uh, years ago it was fantastic and so i try to incorporate thinking routines and you know practice what i preach in my meetings as I'm trying to help coach uh, my my colleagues as well by using what I'm passionate about. So we use things like we came together and we did a chalk talk. And where I set it up for those that might not be super familiar, I'm sure a lot of us had heard of it, but if not, a chalk talk is, you know, you have a big piece of white paper and you have topics on each one. And I split my staff into groups. And what you do is you walk around and you write basically you know, I'm not reading the actual prompt of the thinking routine, so probably not as detailed as I should be, but <laughs> you write what you think about the topic. Mm -hmm. And it's not like you're writing a novel, just a quick thought. And then people can star it, they can circle it, they can underline it or whatever they want or add their own. So we did past, present, and future. Ooh. My first time meeting my whole staff together, we dove right into that just to one, so I could learn about mm -hmm. where we were as a culture and as a collective mindset. <clears throat> And two, we can start to, I believe, in collaborative leadership, working together and empowering the people that we work with. And I believe by part participating in this activity on the first day that we're together really helped us start to understand each other of where we want to go. And I think that doing that chalk talk, we came back together. We had a discussion. We went through, you know, past, present, future. And uh, it really was very insightful. And that's a great starting point. I think anytime you start with somebody with a new staff, with new people and new building. I do love that, Ryan. Now, let me ask you, was it literally as open-ended as the word past, present, and future, or were, were there any additional guiding questions to, around that? It was just past, present, and future. It was that open-ended. Wow. So what types of things did you get from that? And then what did you do with that information? So I do have in my office, I have them posted on my wall just as sometimes a reminder i look up and i'm like okay i need to reset myself i need to think about where we've been where we're going it just kind of helps me think and plan for the future sometimes too um uh, so where we were was you know as a lot of places coming out of the pandemic there were mm -hmm. so let me give you a little background on my district we obviously this is my first year but a, a couple of years ago they made a shift where they went from they had all these k-5 elementaries but the numbers didn't really make sense to have keep all the schools as k-5 so what they did was they made two of them k-2s two of them three fives which i'm mm -hmm. one of the three fives and they kept one of the smaller ones as a k-5 on its own so there was a lot of uh new alignment 
teachers shifting, changing buildings. So when the shift happened, my building had a longtime principal that was there for, I want to say, 30 years. And oh, wow. <laughs> you, you make this shift, the pandemic's happening, new teachers. There's a lot of changes happening. And then I come in and being brand new, you know, I think as a, a culture, we were still adjusting to all the changes that we'd gone through over the last few years. And now my goal, my work to come is to help get everybody on the same boat and heading in the same direction and uh, really drive that bus. So what we saw was a lot of what people who had been there in the past liked and wanted. You know, they, anytime you have a long time administrator, you get comfortable and you have things that you like. And that guy was very uh, STEM driven, which is fantastic because mm -hmm. my school under him really was the first one to dive into STEM and STEAM. And now as a district, it's one of our main initiatives, which is mm -hmm. really great. And we have a STEM lab that's outstanding, top of the line, uh, that was built recently too. And so, yeah, when all these changes are going on, we also have additions. We had a bond that was passed, a lot of new construction. So everything's new. Uh, to, you know, the new, uh, you know, there's issues of things that we can work on and being somebody brand new, it was good to hear about. And then future, you know, I'm sitting here talking about being trauma-informed, restorative practice-minded. Uh, restorative practice was up there multiple times. And that is a district initiative, as I said. So I saw our people were hungry to learn more. Last year, as a district, they did uh, a PD on restorative practices, but it wasn't like the full dive, uh, you know, training with a restorative practice trainer in small groups. You can really dive into the work for multiple days. Uh -huh. So my people were, they want to learn more. They want to continue to learn and grow is the biggest thing that I saw. And so my, that's kind of helped shift my goals. I came in with all these ideas. I think I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this after that conversation. And then our first few meetings, and I'm sure it's still going to uh, be refined as we, we move into the new year. Uh, it's really helped me focus and shift what we're working on to really truly focusing on formative assessment is a big thing for the district initiative. Uh, and then student status, we're a 5D school, uh, the five dimensions of teaching and learning. Okay. And those are two of our key elements. And being a restorative practice-minded trauma-informed school district are the biggest things that align with my personal philosophy. And those are the things I've grabbed onto with our staff that I think we are just so hungry to learn more about. And we're shifting and we're changing and we're pushing towards truly diving into that and becoming that. What a great activity, Ryan, to, to do so many things. One, to really um, allow every stakeholder to have an active voice in that, first of all. As, and, and two, because it's, you know, your first, it's almost like that you, you only get one chance to make a good first impression, right? And so right. because collaborative leadership is important to you, I think that was such a great way to model that to your staff is, so I'm here. I want to know what you have to say. And then that allowed you to almost temper your approach. And so that was that was a phenomenal activity that didn't require much prep on your part. Right. <laughs> um, and, and we know that those, those are those are phenomenal things. And then, like you said, that allowed you to kind of understand, OK, you know, as leaders, we go into it. That's that's why we get hired. Right. Is because our job is to lead the staff into a way that's of continuous improvement. But that's really honoring the voice um, of, of things that that, you know, need to be done and kind of gauging the readiness, if you will. Not that we can ever wait for everybody to be ready for an initiative, but that really kind of gave you some priority cues, which I think was was phenomenal. So so were there things? Let me ask you this question. Um, 
were there things that maybe appeared that surprised you or made you think like, oh, okay, this is something like, were there concerns raised on behalf of the staff um, that maybe you weren't expecting? And you don't have to necessarily go into detail if you want to, but just, you know, holistically, if you'd like to discuss that. And with that in mind, I, you know, as is with anywhere, there were things that, you know, staff had on their mind that they wanted to discuss. And this was a great way to bring up, I don't want to necessarily say concerns, but the areas that we could improve upon possibly yeah. as is with any culture. And it did allow for that. It allowed a platform. And I tell my staff, uh, you know, jokingly that like we have great participation in conversations, but it's on me to make sure that we get, uh, that I connect with each individual because some people aren't always comfortable speaking up. And when you provide the platform the very first day, at first it was kind of like, uh, could we please have somebody volunteer to talk? But once we get <laughs> once we get the conversation flowing, it just the floodgates open, right? Uh, we start getting people feel feel more comfortable, mm -hmm. and they feel like it is a safe place to be heard. With how and I try to express to my staff, uh, you know, like I said earlier, I'm okay with being challenged. I'm okay with listening to other ideas. I'm also the type of person where I might not necessarily agree with what I'm saying, but I want to talk through every viewpoint Absolutely. and I will try to look at it and maybe counter, counter, I don't want to say counter argue, but counter idea you mm -hmm. and like try to come from all angles so that we can find the best solution ourselves. And we really had one, that type of conversation. And like I said, once we got it going, it was going and it went well. So, uh, that's awesome. That is awesome. Congratulations for that, particularly being new and people, you know, you creating an atmosphere that immediately made people feel comfortable. You know, one of the things I've learned in my own leadership is the importance of establishing that culture that makes people feel comfortable disagreeing with you. Um, and I love that you said, let me counter idea with you, because I think one of the things that I feel that has made our school successful that I'm at is the fact that I, people know that when I ask you for your opinion, I really want to hear it. You know, it's not a rubber stamp. It's not anything like that. And we both know that, you know, in our office, we can come up with the best idea, but you know, when people are boots on the ground and they have a counter idea that really makes more sense, like being a leader that is open to say like, you know what? I, I, yeah, I can see why we should make this pivot. I think that that buys you so much respect and credibility with your staff beyond just saying like, I want to hear what everybody has to say. Cause I think we've all been in that atmosphere to where we've been asked our opinion, but after the fact, like two days later, when like some big announcement was made, we realized that it was, they really didn't want our opinion. They just wanted to do a checklist that they asked people. So I think that's so important, particularly if collaborative leadership is a core value of yours is making those intentional steps to make people feel valued and heard from the very beginning. Absolutely. Now, Ryan, um, so I'm going to jump around a little bit with some of the questions, and I'm going to kind of loop these two questions together because you alluded earlier just about how you said, I'm not going to call it a failure. I'm going to call it a missed, you know, a learning opportunity or a missed opportunity. I think it's what you called it. Um, so because it's so you're so fresh into this, uh, talk to us a little bit about what were some of those things that you're like, well, that didn't go so well back to the drawing board. Um, and, and then by the way, I think, you know, as leaders, that's one of the, the greatest accomplishments that we can do is model that for our staff, that fail forward learning opportunity. How can we grow um, 
as a leader, because then that not only makes it a safe space for them, uh, but that, you know, will propel our school forward. So what are some of these things that, that you feel like, yep, mm-hmm, we need to go back to the drawing board. And then I'm going to couple that with, was that something that you learned in leadership prep or you, you kind of were like, oh, leadership prep taught me to do it this way. I tried it. It didn't work. And, or I wish I would have had more of this. Right. So let me wrap my head around how I'm going. I have my ideas. Uh, I was gonna say, that's a big question. And if you want to break it apart, that's fine too. But, but, but I'm just thinking like being so fresh into the role, maybe they go together or maybe they don't. Maybe there are some things that you've, you know, had some growth opportunities with that had nothing to do with. And then there are things that you're like, where was this class? Where was this course? So if right. you want to tackle them separately, feel free to do that as well. So I, there's a few things. I'm just seeing how I'm going to tie it all together because I do believe that they go together. So, I, well, let's start with the second part of that question. I okay. feel like leadership prep, uh, you know, like as we said, I've done a lot. I've done, I'm somebody, if I'm not learning, I, I say I'm bored. I'd like to get new books and not that I actually have the time to read them, but <laughs> I love to get new books and try to read through them whenever I can uh, and learn about new things or take certifications and classes and things like that. So I like to think I've had a quite a bit of preparation, but in, no matter how much education or preparation you have, it doesn't always matter when you're in the thick of it. And uh, the biggest thing to me is as long as, and I've learned this, and this is something that I guess that wasn't necessarily flat out said in leadership prep, but something that I've already learned from my experiences from this year and from my past experiences is really just to really focus on going slow, mm-hmm. take the time to build the relationships, try not to have any major changes. Uh, but the, one of the challenges that I've learned while we're doing this, make sure that what's in place that I'm allowing to continue to happen is equitable and it works because you can come into a new situation and just say, we're going to do everything the same. I'm going to sit back and just observe and learn about the place my first year, which, you know, some people, that's part of what I'd like to do. But as I see, I want to learn and grow and make shifts and start working towards our collaborative goal. But make sure that this is one thing that, you know, there's some systems that have been in place that maybe I'm like, okay, this is what we've done in the past. I'm going to let it happen and not really ask too many questions. And then uh, there's been a few things that had some hiccups that uh, looking back, I'm like, hmm, if I would have asked questions beforehand, I might have foreseen this and made shifts and changes. Uh, but so do you, am I making sense with what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, absolutely. Yeah. Kind of uh, learning to find the balance between push and push and pull, I guess, is what things do I that create themselves as kind of an urgent situation or, you know, a forward, I have to take some prioritized steps and then what things, so maybe um, things that you thought you needed to take action on, or maybe could have waited or things that you, 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 you took action on and you're like, Ooh, maybe I acted too quickly. Is that where you're going with that? Right. Or maybe I didn't act and I allowed oh, it okay. to take place be- <laughs> because it's been something that's been done in the past. And mm-hmm. my first year, I don't want to make major changes, step on any toes. But in doing so, I've allowed something to happen that maybe stepped on others' toes. And because I didn't ask the the deeper questions, I just said, okay, that's what we've done in the past. Let's roll with it. I trust Mm -hmm. it. Well, maybe next time 
and I've learned, well, tell me how this works so I can fully grasp it. And maybe in the past it was done this way, but people felt like it wasn't reaching their needs and that this is an area that we can work on right now. It's not an area that I can just let happen and sit back and observe. It's something that I can have some influence on right now and learn from my people and grow together and find a better solution. Mm-hmm. Right. Is there is there a particular question? Because you were kind of, I felt like I was sort of start teasing that out is, when you reflect upon, because you said, hmm, maybe I should have said, how can I? So learn, I think you said, how can I learn from this? Or how can I learn more about this? So is there a, and I know one question cannot fit every situation, but is there a question or two that you feel like when there is a situation that maybe uh, you're you're on the fence with that you feel like can guide decision-making for leaders to dig a little bit deeper before they act? Um. From my own viewpoint, what I might wonder before, Mm -hmm. uh, well, I guess before, to me, all right, so this is what I've learned and maybe where I've had some hiccups is that I try to, I have my ideas Mm -hmm. and they're well-founded ideas that, uh, at least I think so. And, (laughs) uh, you know, we want to make our changes and work together, but so this is, you know, I was talking with my wife, who's also an educator, just talking about coming on the podcast. And, you know, I, I taught for 15 years. Mm-hmm. If I re- reflect back on year one of teaching, I'm like, holy cow, there's a lot of things I would have done different. Mm-hmm. And year 15, I'm just, let's go, ready to go. You know, I got it down. I'm comfortable. I'm confident. I know I, I know what to do in basically every situation that I've seen. Uh, this is brand new. It's kind of the same thing where... I'm sure 15 years from now, looking back, I'll say, what in the world was I thinking? (laughs) (laughs) And so it's just really learning. There's so many times I feel like, wow, like, okay, I felt like we had some success there, but next time I feel like we can do it better. Next Mm -hmm. time I'll be more prepared with this. So I guess really the biggest thing that I, a piece of advice I can give the new leaders, uh, as long as you're like, as long as you have the good intentions, you have Mm -hmm. the heart that is there for the kids, for the people, uh, just go with it. There's going to be mistakes. Uh, you know, I'm a big Ted Lasso fan. I think that show is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And just be curious, not judgmental. Uh, I actually took that dart scene and edited out the language and I, I took it to my staff in that first meeting too, just kind of coming into the year. Let's be curious, not judgmental. Let's work together. I Let's love realize that. that. Yeah. And if, if you watch the show, yeah. Uh, and just things aren't always going to go well. Uh, be prepared to prepare more, I guess. Um, I think, I think I'm hearing too, Ryan, like the power is in the reflectiveness of your leadership as well. Like, right. So, so it doesn't go as prepared. So you have two options. You can say, Oh, well, there it went. Or you can kind of dig deeper and say like, okay, what can I learn from this and how can we move forward with it? And so I think what I'm hearing you say is the power is in that reflection. We're all right. going to to um, have some missed opportunities or some opportunities for continuous growth. It's what we do with that as leaders that impacts the outcome. Absolutely. And if I can just tag on to that a little bit more, you hit, you took my thoughts that I was searching for and put it much more eloquently than I was doing. So thank you. <laughs> uh, but you know, Jim Collins talks about what you do before the storm and the likelihood of your survival likely depends more on what you've done to prepare for the moment. Mm-hmm. And so basically what you do beforehand will dictate how successful you are. But the key, the really key genuine learning opportunity is in the reflection where I can prepare to a point. 
I'm brand new at this job. I'm going mm -hmm. to prepare to the best of my abilities that I know right now. Yeah. When I, when I reflect on it, I'm going to see, I can elevate that, that process. I can see, okay, next time when I reflect, I can see how I can do that better. And next time I will prepare more. Yeah. So it ties together. And that's really the key point that trying to be as humble as possible that, you know, I know I have skills and abilities. We can do great things. Next time we're going to do better. And the yeah. reflecting on it is where we learn. Yeah. And so Ryan, something I'd like for you to talk a little bit more about just because um, if, you know, if for nothing else, I, because you, you had me at like, if I'm not learning, I'm bored. That's, that's me like idle time. I think somebody would say, said idle time is a devil's hand or something like that, or the devil's playground. Some, some quote that that's me. Like if I'm not learning something new or reading or listening, um, I get bored very easily. And so um, I'm, I'm very intrigued uh, by your certifications that you've, you've kind of gone through. So for anyone who Who's not familiar with some of the certifications that you've that you've encountered? I mean, if you could, you know, that could probably be a whole other episode. But if you could kind of give us a cursory view of, you know, some of the the certifications that you've achieved, and just kind of like advocate if we had to pick one or two, because I heard you say like, oh, that was such a great opportunity. I even got to to train with with you know the lead leader of that. So talk to us a little bit about um, some of these. I won't call them out of the box, but non-necessarily traditional beyond just your, you know, certification courses to be a principal, your, your self-desired courses to grow as a leader and a learner. Talk to us a little bit about those. Absolutely. Um, so I have a certificate in school management and leadership at CSML. Uh -huh. I, and that's from Harvard, the Graduate School of Education, where they have a, a fantastic professional learning platform online that it's really I, I can't do it justice just trying to explain how in-depth and how great it is they have the system where they have videos they have a, you do the work at your own at your own pace but you have to get it done within a week uh, and they have four certifications so you could just do each individual one and get certifications in those topics like leading learning mm -hmm. leading change leading schools and leading people so you could just do one, two, three, or all, and if you do all four, you get the overall certificate in school management and leadership. So that's what I've done. Okay. And I also did uh, a literacy one as well, because uh, again, always trying to improve myself. Uh, and it's really fantastic. The system they have is great, and I expect Harvard to be sending me a check for this promotion <laughs> as well. Uh, but you know, Ryan, real quickly, were these things that your district offered or just in your own search? Um, can anyone sign up for these? Or do you have this was something I found on my own that um, I did pay for out of pocket mm -hmm. and they're not overly expensive, but they're not necessarily super cheap either. But uh, anybody can do it. You do have to apply. But as long as you basically check the boxes, I think they'll they'll let you in and do it. Um, and I can't advocate for those classes and courses enough. Uh, now, through my district, my previous district I was at, there were a few things that I uh, had to apply for within my district that my district paid for and sent me to. So uh, Oakland County is where Novi Community School District is, where I spent the majority of my career. And they, Oakland County, Oakland Schools has uh, something called the Galileo Teacher Leadership uh, Academy. Uh -huh. And that was fantastic. That was two years. I did that probably I think it was 2015 to 17 and it really kind of I always had an idea I wanted to get into leadership be a principal maybe athletic director maybe uh and that really kind of pushed me towards accelerating my goals and I 
the work we did in two years, we learned about anything and everything as far as being, and it's, it develops you as a teacher leader. Mm -hmm. And, but we worked on facilitation skills, uh, communication, leader me uh, aspects we got certified in as well. The seven habits of uh, is it healthy kids, I think, right? It's been a while. Uh, but that, that was something that was awesome that my district sent us to at our, our county ISD. And then they also had the Aspiring Principals Leadership Academy, which was a one-year program, which that, so Galileo was a teacher leader program. Aspiring Principals was Aspiring Principals uh, focused. So that, again, dove even further into leadership, into communication, into facilitation, into learning about really preparing you for the role. So those are things that, uh, you know, within my own district that I was at, uh, just I, I advise anybody to seek out as much and as many learning opportunities as possible, whether it's the district can send you or even on your own, do a quick Google search. There's other things I've seen that I want to sign up for. I just haven't had the opportunity or really the time. So uh, there's a lot of great stuff out there. And if anybody really wants to get into leadership, leadership is, you know, it's a role, it's a title, but it's about serving. Yes. I truly believe in servant leadership. So preparing myself to be as educated and, well, I just said prepared, but prepared to be as prepared as possible. Um, I feel it's, I take it upon myself to educate myself as much as possible so that I can be in those situations and I can be humble enough to say, hey, look, in my experience, I've learned a lot about a lot of stuff. I don't know everything, but I can go find the answer for you or I can work with you and help you give you the platform for you to teach me. Uh, but just finding ways to further enlighten ourselves and understand that it's about the people, whether it's the community, your staff, and especially the kids. Absolutely. Now, were these um, were any of these opportunities to where it was a collaborative effort to where you're meeting other uh, leaders um, and, and kind of getting that network opportunities or were these more kind of a self-directed uh, personal growth? So the Harvard is online, but they encourage you. There's other people in your cohort, cohort and you have to respond to others before you can move on in certain parts of the work. Okay. So that and there's people from all over the world. Uh, and then they encourage you when it's all done, reach out to two people and send your uh, your information. There's a few people I've kind of kept in contact with. Uh, the ones at the county level, those were in person. Those were definitely with like-minded people. And you go with some other people from your own district, but then you also connect with people of neighboring districts. And yeah, I, I'm I, such I'm such an advocate like like yourself. Like I'm such a nerd learner. Like I'm the person that goes to the beach with some type of learning something book right? right like forever my friends are like uh can you just read something for enjoyment I'm like from a nerd perspective I am enjoying this so <laughs> so I'm soaking up everything that you're saying um so my goodness you've done so much Ryan already and, and like I say as a new leader uh what do you, you've got so much to be proud of already so if I, I ask did. you to say like so what's the one thing if I just said as of right now and I, I'm going to narrow it to you. I, I don't know what you prep to say, but I'm going to change the question a little bit to say, just in this, your short tenure of being a new principal, what do you feel like is the thing that you've been most proud of is in your new leadership? I'm really connecting with the people. Uh, I, being brand new to a community, to a district, to a school, uh, just the work, the connections that I've already made on a personal level and also on 
an educational level, just really, I feel that we've done, we've made tremendous strides in building the foundation of the work to come. Mm -hmm. uh, I am most proud in that we are shifting our, our culture to go to where that, that future, that Chalk Talk future board, we are focused on that. And together, I'm most proud of that we came up with those ideas and that collaboratively, we are getting on board. We are working together to shift and move towards that goal. And I know that sounds probably pretty cliche and open-ended, but really, I'm most proud of what our focus is with my colleagues at my school to do what's best for our kids and for each other to really focus on restorative minded practices to become more trauma-informed. And we're also, uh, one of the biggest things, I guess, that more specifically, is, so I am big on equity, I'm big on restorative practices, being as trauma-informed as possible. Mm -hmm. As I continue my own personal growth on that journey, I'm still working to be better at it. When I deal with things like discipline and consequences, mm -hmm. uh, trying to shift from, you know, write-ups and detentions and suspensions to more restorative-minded, let's build these relationships where we can avoid those punitive things and really connect more and learn and grow from these incidents that happen. And we're putting together a behavior flowchart of the help guide that where, you know, we have different tiers, major, minor, uh, different levels. We're calling them one, two, and three of this happens. And these people get involved. This is what we do. This is how we, we respond and who they go to. We have a wellness room. Uh, if they go to the wellness room, if they go to the social worker, if they, if I have to get involved on a more serious incident that happens, but I want it to be really ground level teacher, restorative practice minded responses. And that starts with building those relationships. So it all kind of ties together. We're all working towards that future mm -hmm. chalk talk conversation and the tools are restorative practices and learning about trauma informed education. And we're developing that ongoing right now. And that's that's, probably that's, that's you know what that's that's heavy lifting at any level you know any level years of experience as a principal so to be tackling something that that is is a, a big a big lift um so early on i think not only speaks to your commitment for you know equity and social justice for your community but to your staff's commitment to want to do that as well you said a wellness room um can you elaborate a little bit on that because immediately i think like oh there's a gym i thought no i'm i'm going to make some assumptions that perhaps it's it's a it's a take on um normalizing supporting mental health needs <laughs> can you so can you share a little bit more about if, if a student goes to the wellness room what does that what does that mean so we, it's set up where, and we're still working to define what exactly that will look like moving forward with our new system that we're developing. But our person that we have in there does a fantastic job working with our kids where it is more mental health trauma mm -hmm. uh, focused, where it's, we have students that maybe have, uh, you know, they develop behavior plans. I don't even necessarily like that term, but they develop a plan of how to stay uh, how we can be more aware of their trauma, their ACEs that maybe are mm -hmm. in, be, behavior is communication mm -hmm. and whatever is happening within the school is happening for a reason. And it's on us. Again, this could be a whole nother episode. I, I was so, thinking the same thing. I'm like, I'm going to have to have Ryan back because this is going to be yeah. a whole nother episode. <laughs> I, I would gladly come back. I'm enjoying our conversation. Um, 
so more specifically, we can save that for another time. Uh, you know, we schedule breaks in this wellness room. There's some sensory materials mm -hmm. uh, moving forward. We're talking about, we just applied for a grant to have a calm room, which I think we would try to house within that classroom where we have like a calm area. Mm -hmm. We might have another area where if a student hits a certain more serious level on our behavior flow chart, they go and they do a restorative think sheet and uh -huh. uh, re reflection where they go in, they fill it out and that's, they have a space to do that. Uh, our guy, he has scheduled breaks with kids, but also with kids that might become dysregulated, they, one of our steps is to um, give them an opportunity to try to regulate. And he is, so it's more spur of the moment. He can take, as long as he's able to take those kids within his room and work with them, have restorative types of conversations, provide sensory materials, provide just a space for the student to have their time to be dysregulated until they're ready to talk and grow and reflect. Uh, so it's it's really open-ended right now, to be honest, but it's, it is what the title is. We want kids to go there to be well and provide sensory materials, restorative conversation opportunities, scheduled breaks, and dysregulation breaks. So I love that. I love that. Like, I'm writing all these notes down, Ryan, because I was going to ask you another question, but I've decided that I'm going to save it because I am going to have you back on a whole other episode to where I do want to dig deeper with you because this topic behind restorative restorative practices, uh, social justice, and being um, an equity leader. Uh, I, I definitely, so I'm, I'm invited, look, right now I'm going to go ahead and make that invitation. Will you come back for another episode so we can talk about all those things? Yeah, I would be happy to, absolutely. <laughs> That's awesome. And I'm going to put a pin in that for right now because I've, I've been previously writing all the questions I'm going to ask you on that episode. Because I, I, I do think that, um, you know, there, there are so many important practices, but as we continue to transition as a society, um, you know, and as schools kind of being that center of hub of trying to promote those equitable, not equal, but equitable practices for our community, um, there are so many steps that we need to take as leaders, but quite frankly, um, you know, it's it, sometimes where do you start with that work? So that's going to be another episode. So listeners, hang tight because Ryan will be back and we're going to be talking about all of those things. Uh, so Ryan, the next question I do have because you do so much, um, but I hear you talk about you have a wife um, and a family at home. So um, how do you set boundaries for yourself so that you're still being the best you can be for your staff? really still feeding yourself with all your learning and growing, but at the same time being present for the other people in your life. It's something where, you know, we can talk about setting our own boundaries and I do attempt to where maybe I never truly disconnect because I think it's important to be available for emergencies and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But if I see an email or something, giving myself, you know, in coaching, we talk about uh, if kids are, parents or other coaches, if anybody's upset, the 24 hour rule, mm -hmm. let's sit on it for 24 hours, think about it, reflect, maybe let ourselves calm down and then we'll come back and have a conversation. So uh, a lot of times if I see emails or things that uh, communication, things that I need to handle, unless it needs to be handled absolutely in that moment, sometimes just disconnecting, knowing I'll get to it, knowing I will be there for that person, that situation, that system, when it's time to do so. And just making sure that we have time for, I have a one and a half year old son. Oh my and, goodness. <laughs> uh, you know, making sure that I have time every morning I wake up and I want to be able to see him. And when I get home, I want to be able to spend time with him and making sure that, you know, unless I absolutely have to be there earlier after school, 
I make sure I have time to go home and do that because I, I have a, not a super short commute either. So just being mindful of that with everything I do now in my role, of course, I know, I don't want to sound like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth as a school leader, a principal, it's, it is very important to be there for your school community, for your school events, connecting, being present within the community. So it is about finding that balance and it can be sometimes difficult and nobody's always perfect. And just making sure that we reflect and we communicate with our loved ones and make sure that we are there for each other. Well, one of the things that I learned, and this is the advice I always give uh, when I mentor newer newer leaders, is the truth of the matter is we can talk about boundaries all we want. And while I do advocate, even though I kind of suck at them, but I do advocate for that, I say those first few years, there there isn't a lot of balance. The truth of the matter is, and I think that's the truth with any new situation, but particularly when your role is building that trust and capacity with people, you can't do that quickly and you can't do that overnight. And so that does, to your point, require a little bit of additional commitment and time before and after hours um, to be visible, to be present. And not that that ever goes away as a leader, but I think as you're trying to make yourself available to show who you are and people begin to trust you, you know, I, I think the truth of the matter is those first few years, there's not a lot of balance. The job does take a lot from you. Um, and, and, you know, but it, it pays back in dividends in the long run. So I, I feel a little hypocritical myself as I'm, I'm talking like, hey, we should be setting boundaries and we should, uh, but also having that realistic understanding that there are times and seasons to where, you know, your family gets more of you. And then there are times when I think your school gets a little more of you. And, and I think as it all comes out and you have that understanding and, and support from home, that's an important aspect too. Right. Absolutely. And I, I will say one more thing, being an uh, uh, athletic coach, Help me prepare for that. Coaching <laughs> <I bet. laughs> all the hours of football and baseball and whatever other people do coaching too will understand helped not only me, but my wife understand too. Because when we first started dating, I was full on coaching year round basically. So it's where, you know, we find that balance and know how to make it work. And, you know, I don't do the coaching anymore, but now my new role, which is my career goal to be a principal, I've, I've achieved that. It does take up a lot of time. And we had that understanding when I was pursuing this, that this is what it's going to be. And so that experience kind of helped us as a family. Well, that's good that you kind of, and like I say, that support system at home, having your support system understand the reality of the job, I think is this important message for anyone considering going into leadership that your, your people at home have to understand what that commitment does look like and, and be willing to kind of, you know, help you balance that out. Absolutely. So Ryan, you talked about that you're an avid reader too. Like I envision you're probably like myself, like I have on my nightstand, I have this stack of books. I've started like three of them, <laughs> but I don't think I finished it. And then I've got a whole, you know, other four in the other room that I've just purchased waiting to be. Read. So talk to me a little bit of it's books that you want to recommend or people that you talked about some courses, but our own best resources. Um, so what, what would you recommend if people aren't hooked into something? What are your recommendations? Right. And then just, I have so many, I even have a stack right here. I'm trying to look at and which we'll go on <laughs> and talk about. Uh, well, really right now, what I've, I've been reading is uh, Classroom 180. Mm -hmm. And it comes with, you can purchase also an administrative guide, but it's a framework for creating, sustaining, and assessing the trauma-informed classroom. And they have video resources that my district is actually using for PD for our staff as well. And 
you know, I've always been restorative minded and uh, try to be as trauma informed as possible. But this has been eye opening, like just the amount of information. And it really is kind of like a step by step. This is how we become trauma informed. So that's a really fantastic book and resource. Uh, as I myself try to grow as a restorative leader, uh, you know, I purchased a couple of books that I have not read yet, but I've heard great things about. Hacking School Discipline, Nine Ways to Create a Culture of Empathy and Responsibility Using Restorative Justice. Mm -hmm. And uh, Better Than Carrots or Sticks is another RP book. Um, but, you know, like you said, a lot of times I try to listen to stuff. I walk my dog every day, so I'm always listening to either books or podcasts. And I do want to give a shout out to a former colleague in Novi who started his own podcast and interviews people within the district. And I was lucky enough to be one of the people last year. It's called Thriving Educators. Uh -huh. And there's a lot of great insight. And Brian Langley does a really nice job with that podcast. And then uh, RJ Weber, a guy I referenced earlier, he just started his own podcast in his new district where he's a superintendent called Mustang Moments. And that's something that I look forward to listening to because I know he is just uh, a wealth of knowledge of a lot of what I talked about today, I could say that, you know, I've had conversations with him and learned from him about the stuff that we were speaking to today. So those are just a few things that I would point to and point, uh, advocate for, for people to read or listen to. Got him. All right. Final question, Ryan, what are three words that other people who know you would use to describe you? Hmm. Uh, passionate, reliable, And I would say trustworthy. Awesome. And that's, that's, that's the signs of a good leader, right? Or a great leader, should I say. So again, um, well, listeners, uh, just, you know, spoiler alert, I'm going to be having Ryan back. So stay tuned. Uh, but until, you, until we get you back on the show, Ryan, if people want to reach out, if something you said is like, ooh, spark something and they want to follow up with you, what's the best way to get in contact with you? All right. Well, I'm on Twitter uh, at, at Coach Smith23 is how we actually became connected. Uh -huh. and that'd be a great way. Uh, you know, my personal email would be a good way too. And do you want me to share that now? Sure. Uh, Ryan period E period Smith23 at Gmail. All right. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show today. Um, and um, congratulations for a successful first half of the year. Like I say, your staff is so blessed to have such a committed, passionate leader um, at the helm of the ship. So thanks for being with me today. Thank you very much for having me on. Happy to be here and really enlightening conversation. Thank you, Jill. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Right, friends if you enjoyed this episode new leader true leader lessons learned from a first-year principal please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post now friends if this is your first episode boy you are in for a treat and I strongly encourage you to go back and listen to the other guest from season seven and then maybe go back from there from seasons one through six while you're doing that, don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to make sure that you're getting weekly automatic episode updates. In fact, do it right now so that you don't forget. 
while you're doing things, I'd love it if you'd leave me a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. I really make it a point to read every single one of the reviews I get, and it helps with the ranking of the show. And finally, friends, if we aren't connected, please make sure let's change that status. Let's get connected on Twitter and LinkedIn. That's the way I connected with many of my guests from this season. All right, friends, as you go about your week and starting this new year, don't forget to ask yourself, am I the leader I deserve and what am I doing about it?